Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace. Kane, Shane, and Ellie back with you again. We finally have a full week of college football, and of course, that means another win by Minnesota and another win by the Ohio State University to kick off college football off to a great note. Obviously, the two best teams in the Big Ten both got wins. We absolutely love to see that. Uh, just real quick, first impressions. What what was kind of one of the most fun things you saw this week in college football, Shane? Well, it was, it was a really good week in college football. It all started at the beginning. I, I thought the backyard brawl, West Virginia Pitt, was like electric atmosphere, super close game. The ending was wild. Uh, some good NFL prospects on both sides of the ball. Like, I it really started my excitement for the weekend. Nelly, how about you? I loved what I saw in the Florida-Utah game. I mean, that atmosphere seemed absolutely electric. That stadium was was rocking late in the game. No, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to avoid saying a Minnesota win uh, because, you know, they were facing New Mexico State. Uh, did you know that was actually the first shutout in the first week of the season since 2006? For the Gophers. Wow. That's so, uh, yeah, pretty big. Um, but I think probably the most fun, um, like other than just having CFF back, I think that was great. Um, I love seeing turmoil in the SEC. That's like a personal favorite for me. Um, so seeing the, the turmoil at LSU after like such a <laughs> prolific hire is kind of a hoot <laughs> you know like it's terrible to say but like uh i i like that i also like florida state and maybe i was a little too hard on mike norvell um but the teams played well the past couple weeks yeah jordan travis is is not bad which is more than you can say for florida state quarterbacks the past few years just so you know in the startup nelly i just took marcus mariota in the 13th round. Kane is drafting a startup dynasty league while we are recording. It is, it it is live, so. live. It's a wild draft. Um, <laughs> those results will be in the Discord, so make sure you check those out. Um, but I, I think we just had a really fun week of college football. Like, I, I almost want to say, Shane and Nelly, that this is probably one of the better weeks of week one we've had in quite a while of like just good matchups. Normally, we're used to seeing, like, one or two good ones and then just ten blowouts on, like, primetime. We finally had, like, multiple really good games. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of times it was the prime, kind of the primetime games, set back air brawl, uh, Florida-Utah, High State-Notre Dame. Like, I mean, LSU uh, against Florida State, like, they they were all just – 
tight, close, exciting. That's rare for week one. It, I think it really just added to all the enjoyment of college football. But um, if you want a recap, make sure you listen to the other podcast that's on this channel. It's the College Football Overdrive. The first episode each week, they're going to be diving in to what happened in college football. So make sure you check that out. And then kind of the next episode's almost going to be looking ahead to what that next week is going to bring. So make sure you check out those episodes. A really great podcast that we've added to the channel there. Um, but guys, we have to just dive in and talk about Debbie risers and Debbie fallers. And we're going to try to do our buy sells and unknowns, not using any of the guys that we just talked about. So not using these 12 guys, we're each going to give two risers, two fallers. Uh, Nelly, you want to start us off? Cause I feel like I know who you're going to talk about. Uh, okay. So let's, let's get into that. Right. Because I think you're yeah. going to, you think that I'm going to say Anthony Richardson's a riser, I am, but. For me, he's not a riser because this was exactly what I expected for him. So I'm taking that away from you guys from saying it, but he's also not a riser for me. We just knew he was already going to do this. Um, my first riser is Jacob Cowling, wide receiver at Arizona. He went berserk in week one. He had over 100 yards. He caught three touchdowns. He was absolutely unguardable. If you if you turn on the film, which I, I don't do, but I watch highlights to see how the numbers line up. He was visibly faster than everyone on the field, and he was open at every single moment. So the big question I had this offseason was how would he transition from playing at UTEP in Conference USA to playing in the Pac-12, playing playing big boy football. Now, their opponent wasn't very good in week one, uh, but San Diego State uh, – usually has a pretty solid defense, so it may be better than, than your typical power or G5 opponent, and he, he passed the first test with flying colors. Shane, how about you? So what, what kind of running backs do we like in fantasy football? We like guys that can catch the football. And on this and podcast, we, yeah, we, right? we, 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 want the, we, want, we want guys that are going to catch the football. And we've been, we've been banging the drum on this podcast – for a running back that's been heavily undervalued. Um, and he balled out this week. It's Kenny McIntosh, running back at Georgia. Nine catches, 117 yards. Yeah, you know, and this was against Oregon. This wasn't like Alabama playing Utah State. Uh, he also had a rushing touchdown in there. He had five carries for 18 yards. It was a pretty big split between the three running backs, as you expect at Georgia. But he basically has taken that James Cook role we've seen James Cook get day two draft capital by holding that role. I, I think Kenny McIntosh is a player that was starting to gain some Debbie steam late in the process. Um, I think by a, a lot of the, you know, us included, but a lot of the Debbie talking heads kind of talking him up. He was ranked highly in, in the Phil Steele magazine. I think Kenny McIntosh has a real shot at day two draft capital. And um, he's a riser for me and a guy to, you know, go out and get uh for cheap or if you have them i think you can be happy right now yeah i'm i'm with you i'm one i'm gonna say is i'm gonna stay in that same vein of of a running back that i did catch a single pass which for us we like uh it was just one catch just for a couple yards uh, but it's tank bigsby now tank bigsby has kind of been i don't want to say like who pooed on a little bit but tank bigsby he comes in 16 carries, 147 yards, two touchdowns. 
and is the Tank Bigsby that we thought he was going to be since freshman year, right? That we thought he was going to come in every time he touched the ball, he was just going to run somebody over, he was going to make somebody miss, make somebody look foolish, and that's kind of what we saw over and over and over again. Um, he just absolutely crushed it. So I think he's a big riser for me. Yeah, love Tank Bigsby. I mean, bit of a down second year. This is a great way to start off his first year of draft eligibility. Uh, Nelly, go ahead with your uh, second guy there. You want me to to go with another riser, or are we pivoting to fallers? Uh, go, go with a riser. Let's let's keep the risers rolling, then we can get all negative and stuff. I mean, it's got to be Drake May, right? Like, yeah. Drake May was – he played in week zero and week one, and he's been absurd. I mean, he answered the questions of of how UNC is going to respond to losing Sam Howell. Um, I'm pulling up his stat line here. But he was efficient throwing the ball. Uh, he was electric. I mean, that UNC defense can't stop anything. And I think the big thing for me is he displayed mobility, right? Like he had a touchdown on the ground. He had he he had a, a handful of carries, picking up right where Sam Howell left off as well. So, I mean, he's he's a big guy. He's he's well over six foot. This is only second year. He's a redshirt redshirt freshman. So, um, first time kind of getting to display his skill set, and it's been amazing, right? So, like this twenty twenty four class, you have Caleb Williams, you have. Ke- Quinn Ewers, I think Drake May right now has got to be the top candidate for that third guy. That, that That's actually a really good call. Um, and, I mean, honestly, watching Quinn Ewers play, you know, we'll see Drake May get some tougher competition, but Drake, Drake May might be better than him right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, I didn't want to say it because this isn't a hot take show, but I, I'm with you there. Yeah, I mean, based on, you know, two weeks from Drake Bay, one from Quinn Ewers' first start, like, there's a lot of time here. Uh, but it, could, it definitely could happen. Um, and I feel like – I don't want to go into too much of a tangent, but I don't know if you agree, Nelly, but I think some of us, maybe myself, included a little gun-shy about North Carolina quarterbacks after Sam Howell. Like, oh, you know, but Drake Bay did look good. Yeah, definitely. And, and to just – to put into words or to – Explain his stats. He has nine touchdowns on 72 attempts, uh, nine yards per, per attempt, zero interceptions. So, like, passing numbers as good as possible, 73% completion percentage. And he leads the team in rushing yards. He has 131 yards over two games, and that's on 16 carries. So, like, I didn't realize he had this athleticism. And to me, obviously, that matters a lot. You know, I'll, I'll, my next riser, I'm going to go running back again because kind of generally, and Keen already hit on Tank Bigsby, but I think the 2023 running back class as a whole, all, my top seven running backs in the class, I thought all helped themselves in week one, which is not that I can remember that ever happening, that uh, like all of them were consistently good. But um, I'm going to pick Sean Tucker. I'll pick kind of the low-hanging fruit because Sean Tucker, the running back for Syracuse, was, you know, absolutely dynamic in that game. I wasn't sure how Syracuse would be as a whole playing against Louisville. Like it was supposed to be a close game, but Tucker 21 carries 98 yards and touchdown, but really this receiving ability, um, six catches. He looked sharp catching the football, caught a touchdown, uh, just 
did it all, looked very fast, very quick through the hole. He played low. He played tough. He was running guys over, too. Um, it's the best that I've seen Sean Tucker look, in my opinion. And he was already, you know, a top five running back in this class. Like, I, th- I think it is – I think there's a tight race for RB3 in this class to be Zach Evans, Mississippi, Tank Bigsby, and Sean Tucker. And uh, I think it's going to come down to the wire for those three. Um, but all three should be top 100 picks. Um, you know, th- there's a chance that we see seven guys, seven running backs go in the top 100 in the 2023 draft if everyone declares. I mean, Zach Charbonnet had over 100 yards. We talked about Kenny McIntosh. Like, Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs played well. Zach Evans had over 100 yards. Like, they, they were all good. They were all good. Uh, for my other riser, I'm going to go to the running back position, but I'm going to go a 2024 running back. Uh, Nelly, I'm going to hope that I – did you go 24 running back? Because I didn't listen. No, I went Drake May. Okay, sorry. I, in this draft, people were confused, and I'm also helping commission this league, so they got all messed up. Um, but I'm going to go Montrell Johnson, because Montrell Johnson, uh, we were kind of told that he was, oh, he's third on the depth chart. He's never going to kind of lead things in carries. Well, uh, he had the most carries on the day, was the most effective running back, I think, outside of Trevor Etienne, but on five carries, a little hard to tell how efficient you are on, on just five carries. Um but Montreal Johnson goes 12 for 75 and a touchdown, clearly kind of being that main guy next to Anthony Richardson. And we know the running back. Sure, you might lose a little bit on the amount of carries you're going to get next to a mobile quarterback, but the efficiency of those carries goes up. Right. And that's something that we need to look out for when we're looking at a guy like Montreal Johnson. I think he played really, really well, um, even though he only had the 12 carries. And then you add in the one catch for 14 yards. All in all, a solid day for a first. Uh, game for Florida yeah I was scared with him because his first carry he fumbled the ball and they were moving the ball down the field I was like this it could not have started any worse for a guy who I really like but he he got so much better as the game went on by the fourth quarter he was his best runs all happened in the fourth quarter and I think something that that is unnoticed on the stat sheet is he hung in there in pass protection really well there were a couple times when he picked up blitzers on the other side of the line from where he lined up and adjusted over and things like that don't go unnoticed. So, and, and that keeps him on the field in passing situations where he, he caught a ball and he got tackled at the one. So he almost had a receiving touchdown in the game as well. Um, but you know, I love Macho Johnson. So I was thrilled yeah. by that too. Let's hear, let's hear those film analytics, Nelly. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, believe it or not. I do watch a little football every once in a while. Uh, let, well, let's go to uh Kind of the fallers on the flip side of that coin. Uh, Nelly, who's one faller for you that that uh, maybe just might not have it? Yeah, so I think there's one pretty glaring one. Uh, it's a guy I think I was probably unknown for me a couple weeks ago. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks did not catch a pass in Alabama's game this weekend. They had they had double digit players catch a pass and he was not one of them. We were kind of worried when the depth chart came out, he was behind Treshawn Holden. Was that just posturing or was it real? Seems like it was real, right? Like he, he didn't, he didn't catch a pass. So, and Treshawn Holden played well. He, he led the team with 70 yards. He had two touchdown catches, catches as well. So, in a second year when we really needed to see something from, from Ja'Cory Brooks, a five-star recruit last year, 
it's it was an awful start. I'm pretty worried about his Debbie stock going forward. Yeah, I, I think that's a good one. And, you know, I'll, I'll take another little hang fruit of maybe the talk of the week in terms of draft stock falling, what's happening. And that's Keyshawn Boutte, the wide receiver for LSU. Yeah. Didn't have a catch for most of the game. Had, you know, and Jane Daniels, as we know from Arizona State, not the best quarterback in the world. Keyshawn Boutte was clearly getting frustrated. And then the one time he had a shot at a touchdown pass, I mean, the pass was there. Keyshawn Boutte wasn't even trying. He just figured he wasn't getting the ball. But he was getting double teamed early by Florida State. So I wouldn't have thrown the ball either. He started getting frustrated. They moved away from the double team. Then he got that pass. He didn't even look for it. It just sailed right past him. He could have caught a touchdown there. Um, he ended up having like two catches in the game, but was got benched, quote unquote, for a little bit. He was on the sideline for a little bit. Like it, it, it was pretty bad. Um, and then I, there, I think there was a lot of over-exaggeration. Him and a number of teammates kind of took all the LSU stuff off their Instagram accounts. I always think that's stupid when people make a big deal of that because usually it means nothing. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of them say, hey, we're just getting off social media, like focusing. He was at the film session. So, you know, I think there's maybe maybe an overreaction happening, but I still think he's a follower. Like, I think there's a legitimate question is there going to be enough production for this team, him, for Quentin Johnston, TCU? I think those guys, like the quarterback play is not going to be good and the team's not going to be that good. Is there going to be enough production to justify Keishon Boutte? Maybe he's, maybe he's not a first-round pick when all said and done. Um, that's a possibility here. So with my faller, I'm going to continue to poo on a guy that I feel like we've been pooing on for a bit. But like there was a shot. You know, that we thought that DJU was going to at least start a little better. Right? A little better. But if you're going to tell me that starting better is a 59% completion percentage against Georgia Tech, who doesn't have that good of a defense, with a QBR of 39.4, which is tied for 94th in all of college football, playing for Clemson, who has great weapons and like maybe not the best offensive line when you hold onto the ball as long as DJU does. But like you'd think it'd be a little better. It wasn't. DJU was not good. Uh, he figured out more things in the second half of the game. But that first half was one of the worst first halves that we've seen uh, really in quite a while. <laughs> that first half was not good. And uh, hard to think that DJU is going to be able to pull himself out of that. Yeah, like, like he, he had about two throws. I was like, this is what we want consistently, and it didn't happen. I on a, Like, honestly, he is absolutely a father. Like, I tweeted my DJU shares are dead, and I think they are dead. Kate Coleman came and looked great. I was like, I was like oh, no, you know. But he almost becomes a buy to me in Debbie, right? People have him in De- I have him in 10 Debbie leagues. Uh I, w- I wonder how cheap you can get him. Like I, I would, I would offer Jalen Warren for DJU because <laughs> I, I still think there's a shot. Maybe, probably not this year, but he transfers or something and ends up, you know, fourth round pick and has upside. Like there's a chance that his value is lower now than it will be eventually, but it's got to be, it's got to be like dirt cheap. Uh, Nelly, I think you're up again. Your second faller. 
Yeah, I'm going with a guy who I unfortunately have a decent amount of shares of, and um, he like didn't play until mid-second quarter, and that's Byron Cardwell running back at Oregon. Now, Oregon got absolutely shellacked by by Georgia. I mean, they, they got absolutely destroyed, right? So not a good place for a running back to be playing. But the issue was, here's the third running back they brought onto the field. And obviously that's concerning, right? Because if he's not able to, like, get starting reps, he's he's not a, a Debbie-relevant player. So for me, maybe there's some slight blind optimism, hope that that, that was a one-time thing because of uh, like projected game stripped against Georgia, but uh, just the fact that he he didn't earn that playing time early on makes him a pretty big faller. How about you, uh, Shane? I look. I, I'm and, and I want to say first for all these risers fallers, like don't overreact. It's week one. A lot of these players played against crappy teams. Not all of them. We we, we picked a lot of guys that did not. Uh, and this is one, you know, don't overreact. I don't think the value's fallen that much, but I'm, I'm going to go anti-Buckeye here. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. had a pretty awful game against Notre Dame. Not Agreed. just on Go blue. <laughs> wait, wait, what? You don't have to go blue. I mean, <laughs> Michigan over there struggling with Colorado State. Uh, not really. Uh, but um, no, so look, the, the, the statute wasn't great um, ultimately with, you know, he, he ended up with five catches, 56 yards. Like, it was fine. Uh, but when Jackson Smith the Jigba got hurt, Amike Buka filled the JSN role, and, and he became the main target for C.J. Stroud. And I, I thought there were multiple plays where Harrison could have had a catch, could have made a play, just couldn't get separation. Um, there was a couple – you know, he wasn't – he had some alligator arms. Like, it was not what I wanted to see from a guy that – Hey, this is a potential top ten NFL draft pick in two years, and um, yeah, the nice catch on the sideline. Like he still has that athletic ability. I don't think he's tanked by any means. He's clearly starting. He played most of the snaps, but uh, I, I was disappointed. I, I thought this could have been. You know, he was going up against a guy in Clarence Lewis that got absolutely abused in the bowl game last year against Oklahoma State, um, and Harrison could not get separation on him, and and that's a little bit concerning to me, and I'm interested to see what happens from here for him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Here's one guy that, uh, you know what? I I don't know what to do with. Um, I hyped him up a lot last year, and I thought, I thought even there's a chance that Oregon could be a little better this year, right? But a big faller for me is Troy Franklin. Like, Troy Franklin has every ability to be good in that Oregon. Like, he could easily be the number one wide receiver. Like, but it seems like not only can he get any rapport with a quarterback, but he seems to just not, like, be that good. Right? Because, like, people that are good earn their, their catches, right? Uh, and he can't do it. And it's not like there's a ton of competition at the wide receiver position for Oregon. But yet he can't even separate himself. What, last year he had, what, 18 catches for 209 yards? I realize that they got absolutely destroyed against Georgia, but still only two catches. Like, that's nothing. 
Like he was bottled up against Georgia pretty much all night. And I realize that's going to happen, but at least show me a flash or two. Um, and they also weren't kind of designing plays for him to get open. So that pretty much tells me that he's not the top guy there. So I'm, I think one big faller has to be our guy, Troy Franklin, which saddens me to say. Yeah, it hurts. Some of these followers hurt. Hopefully, hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel at some point for a lot of these guys. Oh, yeah. This is just one game. It can easily right. change. Things can easily change. An injury could happen to someone else on the team, and these guys could, like, shoot up in value. We see it all the time. Or they could be a Florida running back or a Tennessee wide receiver that doesn't get any run and is drafted in the second round by the end of the NFL draft, right? Like, these things <laughs> can happen. Uh, so, like, don't, don't fully uh, be out on them, but just stock-wise, I think um, we're kind of falling a little bit. Um, But Shane, you want to teach us something? Yeah, let's do it, because we had the the death last week of Mikhail Gorbachev, the final president of the Soviet Union. And I, the Cold War is super interesting to me, because I think it's so, like, weird. Um, But Mikhail Gorbachev was the president of the Soviet Union 1990 to 1991 before it fell, you know, communism kind of fell there. And he's, you know, he's credited with tearing down the Berlin wall um, and that kind of reunifying Germany, uh, which for a lot of people brought the beginning of the end. I think he's just an interesting character, right? Cause it was kind of like the early nineties, you knew the Soviet Union wasn't going to last anymore. So Gorbachev came in and kind of tried to appease the people that were like, let's just, let's get rid of communism. Let's get rid of the Soviet stuff. So like he brought in McDonald's and Pizza Hut and a lot of these American um, companies, which strangely today are not in Russia anymore that have, they've got all gotten the boot. Um, and so like, but the people, but the people on that side said he didn't do enough that he wasn't like ending it. And then all, all the, the people that wanted to keep Russia as the Soviet Union hated him because he was bringing all these companies in and he was kind of Americanizing things a little bit too much. And so he ended up being this like hated guy from everyone in the country. Um, and I feel like in America, we've had those presidents like John Adams where like everyone just hates him because he's so middle of the road trying to do kind of the right thing instead of like pleasing people. And um this problem and so the reason i talked about this was because i wanted to talk about um i feel like that this just kind of got released but like i never knew this existed but there was a 1997 pizza hut commercial in russia starring mikhail gorbachev and if you get a chance just google mikhail gorbachev pizza hut commercial and look it up it is the weirdest thing ever but apparently everyone hated him in russia so he was actually hurting for money he was broke and that's why he did this commercial. Um, and it ends with like all the people in Pizza Hut standing up, screaming "Hail to Gorbachev!" And it, <laughs> like this is yes, six years after he was president. Super weird. Um, but you know he passed away, and um, the Rus- Russians didn't really acknowledge it much. They didn't care too much, and it's a, it's a little bit a little bit sad to me sometimes. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Pizza Hut, baby. Hey, hey, I'm not, I'm not ashamed. We like Pizza Hut. It's yeah. the only place around here to get stuffed crust, unless you're buying it from the store. You know what I mean? Uh, so we always like that. Um, let's move on to our buy, sells, and unknown stock. 
Anybody want to go first? Uh, I, I can do it if you want. All right. Um, this is a big buy, like a costly buy. But if there's a touch of fear, uh, I'll buy Travion Henderson. Mine Williams for Ohio State got a lot of the second half carries. Henderson didn't really catch the football. Um, you know, the stat line looked better for him than I think it looked in the game. So I think there could be some people that have him that might be like, oh, you know, I'm a little bit scared. Basically split 50-50. Uh, with mine wins, especially in like a C2C or guys that are in CFF um, might be more representative of that. I think it's worth putting a little flyer out there because I think Trayvon Henderson's still the running back to buy for the 2024 class. He's still going to be the number one guy in a first round pick. Um, so I would look to buy him. How much, are you, how much are you giving up for him? Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I would still give up a decent amount. I mean, I think he is worth, worth um, like, Let's say, are you, are you, let's say you're driving. Are you drafting him as a top 10 running back right now? Devi combined startup. Yeah, I think I would give up like RB 10 to 12. I think that's, okay. that'd be my spot. So, you know, that's, um, that's kind of the actionable advice. Like I would trade if you have. So that'd been... be Brees Hall, Brees Hall or Trevian Henderson. Yeah, I, I think I would float that out there. And I think, I think I would start with the float Brees Hall. For Trayvon Henderson plus, uh, you know, a late Debbie pick, okay. I think you could get it this week. So, all right, that's that's good. That's good. That's actionable advice. Like, try it. Um, my cell is is Will Levis, the quarterback of Kentucky. <laughs> like, I I don't see it. I didn't see it this week. He's still getting first round NFL draft buzz. I'm not going to put him there in my mock drafts for until I have to, I guess, <laughs> until it's like, it's inevitable, but I don't see it maybe this week in a harder game, but like, I, I think his value is going to go down at some point. Maybe it's a year, you know, maybe it's next April, May, but I, I would sell him. And then um, my unknown stock is a guy that uh, impressed me and had like buzz early when he wasn't playing. And I feel like now that he is playing, isn't getting any, and that's EJ Smith running back for Stanford and it's Smith's son. You know, he, he looked good. Now they're playing Colgate. Like they were playing nobody, but um, he led the team in carries had two touchdowns. And I, I thought looked uh, pretty athletic, like especially in short space was really interesting. Um, and he caught a ton of passes. He's really interesting to me. So I, I don't know if, the name's getting me if against harder competition doesn't happen. Like Stanford's not going to be awful this year on offense. So I'm not really sure what to do with EJ Smith. Sure. How about you, Nelly? Yeah. So I'm going to go out and buy Miles Price this week because he had a quiet wide receiver at Texas Tech, third year guy. He had a quiet week one, um, but they were in a blowout. Tyler Show got hurt. And I think ultimately he still ends up uh, balling out this year. I think he's just going to see a ton of volume once they actually need, like once they play competent defenses and and the big guys on the outside aren't just open and playing against uh, weaker competition. I think Miles Price will really thrive there. So I think you have a little bit of a window right now where you can go out and buy him. And this is more C2C driven because he's a college producer, but I think in deeper Debbie leagues, he's still relevant. I think he's still a guy who 
eventually is on an NFL team, partly because of the volume he'll produce this year and partly just because he's he's a good slot receiver. So I'll go by Miles Price. Now, my sell is a little bit controversial, and I almost don't want to do it myself, but I think I'm considering selling Braylon Allen. And here's why, right? He had a he had, If you look at the box score, he had a pretty good week one. He had 14 carries, 148 yards. That's a good game. Now, almost all of that came on a 96-yard run. He went the full length of the field. That accounted for like two-thirds of his yards. Now, when you go on those full-length runs, you demonstrate your full speed, your top speed. Uh, and you can measure that through, um, you can like, Using the lines of the football field, you can kind of measure how fast they get and compare it to other players. His top speed was 20.2 miles per hour. Uh, That is not very good compared to most top-level athletes on on the football field uh, in terms of ball carriers. And so for me, that provides questions about his his top-end athleticism. Now, he's not a speed guy. He's a big running back, so that's not his calling card. But I think ultimately that's a sign that he might not test very well, and I think that limits his ceiling. Um, And also, I I know this is, like, bad in terms of statistics, but the fact that he had 96 yards on that one carry and then his other 13 carries uh, went for, like, 50 yards less than even – is uh, in week one, it's not ideal when, when you're playing inferior competition. Uh, now, my unknown is Jalen Berger running back at Michigan State. Uh, when Shane mentioned earlier that the 2023 running back class is loaded and everyone showed out this week, Jalen Berger came to mind for, for me because I think he's in the back end of that group. But the issue is, like, that group is so loaded, I don't know how much he can work his way up. So, He's an unknown stock because I think his ceiling is limited draft capital-wise this upcoming year. Now, I think ideally you see a situation where he he pulls a, a Zach Charbonnet, where he transfers after two years, plays well his third year at a new school, and stays for his fourth year. Um, and I guess we haven't seen how that works out for Zach Charbonnet, but, I mean, there is some, some Debbie buzz with him. So... Jalen Berger, 2024 running back. I think he could be a top five guy there if, if he hits a ceiling outcome. We'll see. But his week one was good. Uh, 16 carries over 100 yards. So very promising. Um, so my buy real quick is Jalen McMillan, the wide receiver at Washington. Uh, I think he absolutely showed out this week. He's just a really, really good player. Um, and I want to I wanna do that before, you know, he uh, – does it against a really good opponent. <laughs> so I want to I want to get in there and and buy him. My sell is a little like it doesn't feel great, but I almost want to sell just about every Alabama running back behind Jameer Gibbs. Uh because I don't know who is going to be what. You know, and if I can just kind of remove all that uncertainty um by just not having any of them right now. Uh, I think that'd be really solid. Um, my unknown stock is one of Nelly's guys. That's Mario Williams. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know what's going to happen this year. And I don't know if we can put enough, like, can we put all the stock into this one knowing that Jordan Addison is there? 
or do we just kind of discount this season a little bit for him because Jordan Addison is there, right? We know they're going to throw for a ton of yards every week. Um, and I realize that Rice is terrible. But if Mario Williams is just getting, you know, two to four catches a week, like that's not exactly what we want for him. That's going to increase his Debbie stock to kind of be that guy in that uh, 24 draft class. So, um, or see the 23 draft class. No, 24. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just don't see how we can keep hyping him uh, if he's not going to actually like put up the stats, even though he's in a really, really good team. I, I like his talent, though, right? I like his talent. I think he's a talented player. But I don't know what to do with, with kind of that situational team uh, thing. I think more than likely we just kind of hold and hope we get the draft capital in Debbie Leagues, to be honest with you, or at least hold for next year. Um, but that's it for us here at the Debbie Marketplace. It is Kane, Shane, and Nelly. We just want to say thank you so much for listening, and we want to let you know that we appreciate every single one of you.